to bless this place where that it's uh, welcomed us to be able to have our meetings here. We bless the friends by the internet who are streaming with us live and those who will watch us on the replay. Uh, we thank you so much Lord for blessing us to know you, to love you and to serve you in Jesus name. Amen and praise God. So we're still in our book on angels to help you. We're on page 95. We're going to talk about the rebel angels. Amen. Uh, we need to know that uh, angels were created to live forever. Just like everything that has personhood that God created. Uh, he created man to live forever. Amen. He never meant for us to die. We experience death. Death is a mercy. Um, really. It always has been. And it still is because we live in a sinful world. And so God stops sin with righteousness. But sin still has an effect on everybody and everything that's in the earth. If you'll notice that uh, things will tend to deteriorate and wear out. Well, God never created it to wear out. It just does because of man's iniquity and the deterioration factor that comes in with sin. And so we want to live as righteous people. God has given us uh, a doorway into his righteousness. And he has imputed his righteousness to us uh, through faith. And so it's a wonderful thing. You can be who you are but just be right amen you don't have to make yourself act like somebody that you think is so wonderful or somebody you think God approves of he approves of you right where you are amen and he is willing and able to forgive us renew us set us on a right path correct our steps help us to stay out of darkness into the blessed life which is where we want to be so in uh uh Page 95 where it starts talking about rebel angels. And it talks about the question that many people have about Satan. Is he real or is he not? And so there are many, uh, even churches will teach you that Satan is not a real entity or a real spirit. Uh, he's just a name that people give when they want to talk about or explain evil in the world. So the first thing the writer wants us to be assured of is Satan is real. And he gives evidence of how he was created, uh, what happened to him, where he is now, uh, and all of that. And it explains a lot about difficulties we may have in life if you understand what his quest is and what what he uh, is sets up to do. So many people question the reality of Satan. Some believe it's just a name for some sort of evil force in the universe that has no person personality or individuality now when you can put stamp a personality on some type of behavior you know that there is a a living or a, a live force behind it uh, when i say personality it has characteristics of life it has a voice it has a presence uh, you know, many times and in, in you've come into situations, God will make you aware of uh, good presence or demonic presence. It's called discerning. 
not not necessarily discerning of spirits where you would actually see in the realm of the spirit but there is a spiritual discernment that comes upon us where we know if we're around good or evil amen many times if you walk into a room if people have been arguing you can know it by the atmosphere even though you don't hear what's going on you can tell by the spirit behind what's going on and even when you're not saved as human beings we can tell if there is a good or negative spiritual force at work around us when you get into the realm of uh, the holy supernatural the supernatural of God you walk in a realm not just of knowing but also of authority so you walk in a realm of having authority over uh, forces of darkness no matter where you are now sometimes people will say well I live with my aunt and they drink and they smoke can I tell you yeah you can bind the devil you better bind the devil if they live and you living with them you definitely keep them bound so you're an ambassador for Christ God owns everything you don't ain't an uncle I don't care who it is they don't really own anything God owns it all and if he gives you authority over the works of darkness he expects you to use that authority for his glory amen not for you to go for bad and say you the new sheriff in town I mean we say that sometimes but we say it in a joking fashion because we know our authority if you got any sense you know your authority comes from God amen but you are are released to to use that authority for good wherever you are because you never know when things will take a downturn or escalate into something worse so if you can keep it under control and keep it at bay never feel helpless if something is going on that's not uh, building up God's kingdom not edifying it's not just and fair and right you can always take spiritual authority but you cannot war after the flesh in these things you know many times Christians will well you know so and so is going on and this is bad and that's bad I said well did you pray about it and then everybody gets silent you know well why aren't you praying you if you prayed more you complain less amen and so it, it's one thing to know what's going on but it's another thing to get God's resolution for it and so we know that Satan was a created being and he once inhabited heaven amen so what does God's word said it says for Satan as a person throughout the Old Testament we run into this evil personage in the garden of Eden in Genesis 3 1 through 15 we see him afflicting Job in Job 1 6 through 19 and 2 through 1 2 1 through 7 we detect his work among the heathen nations as described in many of the writers of prophecy what do we find in the new testament there he is again in 19 of 27 books that make up this portion of the bible and his existence is implied in the other books as well the lord jesus often spoke of the devil and we should ask for no better authority as a person you think you feel you act satan does the same he gives every evidence of being a separate entity as alive as self-conscious as you are at this very moment 
It's only natural that you should ask where Satan came from. Now this is where people want to challenge God on his wisdom. Why would God create something evil? Why would God create evil? Well the Bible clearly tells you that God did not create evil. He did not create Satan as evil. Amen. The Bible also refers to iniquity as a mystery. So until you can get with God and unravel that mystery, it remains a mystery. Some people can guess at it. All we have to do about most things is accept their existence. We don't have to understand, well, how did this happen? Or where did this come from? And I don't know. If God doesn't give it to you, then you can't get it. And it's not necessary to have total understanding of things. But you can look at what happened to Satan and see how what he had that was beauty once it got. You ever stood in the mirror and looked at yourself? I mean a long time. The longer you look things you find to criticize, don't you? Amen. And so this is what basically happened to Satan. He's just looking at himself, looking at himself, looking and all of a sudden he turned ugly. And mean and evil. Amen. See, he was the anointed cherub that covered the mercy seat. And when he started to, as long as he reflected out, see the anointing is for service. The anointing is to reflect goodness out toward others. It's not for you. So if you, say for instance, you know people who are anointed. Once they start, it gets in your flesh and people say things like, ooh, you know, God just uses you and you this, you that. Don't let it penetrate your little head. You say, glory to God, I'm so glad he did use me. But no, 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 he wants to use us all. Blah, blah, blah. You know, keep it moving. And don't sit there and bask in something that doesn't belong to you. Amen. The anointing is the property of God. And you cannot control it. And I believe what happened to Satan is he started controlling inward that which God gave to project outward. Once you start Twisting and perverting something that doesn't belong to you, you lose control of what happens to it. And so I'm sure he was most shocked to find out he didn't ascend above God's throne and he didn't do this and do that. You understand? I've seen preachers get in that mindset now. You see dozens of them. They start doing a little bit for God or they get the big, oh Lord, don't get the biggest church in the city when they get in that crowd. You understand what I'm saying? And so if it's, if it's God's work, it's been done by his power, why are you taking credit for it? They'll sign up classes, other ministers, tell us how to build a church. And they start getting all this money in to share their secret of their success. And you you couldn't tell them how to do it if your life depended on it. Because you shocked God used you to do it. Or if you're not, you should be. And so we need to understand that there are ways to handle the power of God. There are ways to respect it, reverence it, understand it, all of the above. But you cannot embrace it as yours you can't take credit for what what god has done in your life you understand what i'm saying you just can't do it like i'll get around people and every time i'm around certain people oh mighty woman of god how you doing how you doing well they call everybody that you understand what i'm saying i'm strong in the power of his might amen and so you have to give god glory for what he is doing 
So we know that Satan is a created being on page 96. By Christ were all things created that are in heaven and earth visible and invisible. That's Colossians 1.16. So he was created by the word of God just like everything else was created. Would our Lord make something evil? However, someone who has brought such a curse and to and destruction to mankind? No. Satan developed into what he is today. Amen? Just like a bodybuilder. You keep pressing that same muscle, it's going to get big. You understand what I'm saying? But that's not the way he was in the beginning. Originally, Satan was an angel of great power and privilege. He was a perfect angel called Lucifer, son of the morning. Amen. He was son of the morning. He was not the bright and shining star. Many believe he was assigned to Jesus. That's why Jesus took upon him the task of coming to uh, destroy his works because he got away from his owner, so to speak. You know, you got a runaway slave running around here uh, deceiving the whole world. So originally Satan was an angel of great power and privilege. Lucifer, son of the morning, according to Isaiah 14:12, And he lived in the presence of God. But somehow he got screwed up. Never get comfortable with your Christianity. Never ever think you have it made and you don't have to guard yourself, guard your heart. Uh, keep short accounts. We call short accounts with God, which means that means forgive everybody continually, instantly. Don't take time to think about whether it's right or wrong to forgive them or they did you wrong or you did that. That doesn't matter. What matters is continuing the fellowship and continue the relationship. You'll never continue fellowship if you're caught up in who's right and who's wrong. And I get sick of being the one that always forgive and I wasn't wrong this time. You're wrong every time if that's what you think. You understand what I'm saying? Iniquity oozes out of us so quickly when we get over in the flesh. You understand what I'm saying? So you can't plead like innocence because none of us, we're all sinners in the grace of God. You understand what I'm saying? We are saved by his grace. We have no goodness in us to begin with. We have value, but that's different from goodness. You got me? You have great value in God. Just like the, the drug addict has great value, the homeless person has great value. Why? Because of the way we're created. We have value and potential, but we don't all have goodness until it's imputed to us, till we repent of our sins and have imputed righteousness in our lives. Read what Ezekiel wrote about Satan. Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. Now it says here Satan used to walk in the midst of the stones of fire. That means that there was a fiery brilliance on the the jewels and the stones that he walked on 
now people who you ever seen these people who walk on hot coals to do he's he's satan is demanding his children do the same thing but in the natural you got me so you'll see these little vestiges of his old self of his old uh glory so to speak in people that want to serve him now amen and so be careful about just looking at stuff like that and thinking there's nothing to it you know oh they must be in a trance or oh yeah you know what a what a what a what a what a that's demonic period amen you don't you wouldn't put your kids up there and tell them to walk on hot coals that's just nonsense they don't prove anything so satan's fall something happened what was it I broke off in the middle of the last verse quoted above. Let me finish it. Till iniquity was found in you. It does not say God put it there. It says it was found in him. Amen. How was it found? Just like say for instance if you you have a, a, a valuable watch. And you keep it in a drawer. And you tell little Johnny don't play with that. And you find your watch is missing one day. And you go in little Johnny's room and it's found in his possession all beat up and toe up. Amen. That's the same thing that happened with Satan. God found iniquity in him. Amen. Because he played around in the anointing for too long. See his power and his goodness and the glory that God placed upon him. He began to uh, uh, possess it as his own. And that's what caused the fall, his fall, and the fall of everybody else who follows him and who believes him. And so be careful about taking credit for, you know, good things in your life. Or, you know, it's good to encourage. you got to learn the difference between encouraging yourself and flattering yourself. Amen. Learn the difference between encouragement and flattery. People will will often encourage us and and give us self confidence, things of that nature, you know. Uh, and 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 uh, sometimes you're being flattered. Flattery comes from the dark side. Encouragement comes from God, you know, where where He senses in a person's heart they need to hear something that will build them up spiritually today. And so you can share something with them that builds them up spiritually. And sometimes people just need a compliment on their appearance or something like that. You know, it's supposed to be working hard sometimes. You know, the older you get, the harder you got to work with them. You know, uh, and then sometimes we say, yeah, I just barely got out the house today. So just don't take my picture. That kind of thing. But but you know what I'm saying. We We are here to encourage and build up one another. That's fellowship. That's love. That's what God wants us to do. To bless one another. Amen. When you come in contact with people. I don't care who it is. Saint or sinner. Always be encouraging. Always smile at people. Always have something encouraging and lighthearted to say to them. And so that's what God wants us to do with, with his power that he puts in us. So then his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. Amen. That's the easiest thing to get people to feel good about or bad about is their appearance. Especially when you just live in the natural. We see all these people. Anybody watch Botched? Y'all ain't got no business watching Botched. No, I watch it too. 
<laughs> not messing with you. But uh, you know what I'm saying. You you see how because now people have have gotten comfortable with getting their appearance altered. There's some people who go to some extremes and you think to yourself, now they're getting grotesque and ugly, but you can't tell them that. See, there's a spirit that speaks to them when they look at their reflection and it dictates to them exactly what they're supposed to do. Amen. And so we have to be careful about these things uh, and be careful that we don't live for the praise of men. And you don't live and die based on what people say about your appearance or what you think about how you look and all this kind of stuff you know throughout your life you're going to be ugly pretty fine uh, fine as wine <laughs> then you get fine like old wine you know what I'm saying but you know what I'm saying it, it's going to vary you know according to the beholder whoever's watching you that's what they're going to say so he said his heart was lifted up because of his beauty so there is the answer. Satan was not content to remain as he was. Amen. He was beautiful and God created him so. But he couldn't focus 100% on that. I think sometimes when you focus 100% on on certain things, uh, you have a tendency to get off the rails about about certain things you know what I'm saying so anyway uh, it says Satan was not content to remain he wanted to become number one to replace God now Satan was beautiful but it's apparent that God was more so because the beauty that radiates from a perfect holy God is greater than the beauty that radiated from Satan Amen. God cannot create something superlative to what he is. He is the ultimate. Amen. And he is the greatest. He's the most perfect. He's the most, you know, he's the living end. Amen. And so he cannot create something greater than himself. And so that's what Satan wanted to do. He wanted to exalt himself above the throne of God. So he refused uh, to... um, uh, 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 let go of that and he held on to that concept that he was going to be the greater he said can you picture in the eye of your mind that day in heaven so long ago when that event took place the thought the desire and the determination came to Satan and he said in his heart it's very important what you say in your heart the heartfelt desires, the heartfelt notions, the heartfelt ideas are the things that will drive us to action. You can have all kinds of thoughts coming through your head, but if you resist them and don't act on them, all you've been is is bombarded or tempted or whatever it was. But if you let those things settle on the inside of you and get in your heart, you're going to have some difficulty. Amen. And so it says, Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, what's in there the most, what's in there a lot. And so we have to be careful what's in there a lot. Because many times we can have uh, things that are driven, uh, desires that are driven by lust or or uh, jealousy or just uh, boredom. You get bored because, you know, you're tired of waiting on God to do this, that, and the other, whatever it is. Um, uh, th- th- just negative forces can drive our desires. 
desires. And so it's good to offer those things up to God and say, you know what God, I don't want this unless you really want it for me. And I thank you for taking this desire of mine, purifying it, and bringing the right thing into my life. Amen? And if we'll do that, then God will bring right people, right things, right, and and do it regularly. Do it on a daily, you know, and just turn those things over to him for his best for you. And and his best will come to you. Don't ever uh, get discouraged asking for God's best. Don't ever get a faint on believing God for his best. And continue to, to walk it out so that God can release his best into your life. He wants to do it. He really does. So uh, he says, can you picture in the eye of your mind that day in heaven so long ago, the thought, desire, determination came to Satan. Then he said in his heart, which which was once pure, but now had turned to wickedness. So he turned inward. He started worshiping himself on the inside. It may have been that he had a thought here and there in the past, but that didn't produce iniquity. I believe God would forgive him just like he could forgive anybody. Or he could go to God and say, you know, I've had some thoughts that I know you don't approve of, whatever. And and could could receive help and could receive right direction. But he didn't do that. He held on and hid in his heart what he really wanted to do. He says to himself... I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars of God also refer to Jesus. Amen. So it's believed that because Lucifer was son of the morning, he wanted to be the day star. The day star is a star that shines brighter than the sun. And that always represents Christ. So Lucifer had a lesser position and he didn't like it. He wanted to be top dog. He said, I'll sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now if you look at that, that's kind of similar to what he told Eve, right? He said he knows that in the day you eat of it you will be like him knowing good and evil. So this business of like God is something that bugs the devil. Amen. He knows that man is created in his image. Man is like God but the, the angels are not. Amen. They're not. It's not said of them. They are servants and ministering spirits. Uh, who are who are here to assist the heirs of salvation from the throne of God, and so when you have a subordinate position, if there's no uh, position open for you to ascend to, you pretty much stay where you at. But man, being created in the image of God, has great potential, much more so than the angels, and that's why the angel, the fallen angels, attack people so much because they hate the image of God they're jealous that they can't have it and so they'll begin to cause that image to be tarnished in the minds and the hearts of people who are created in the image of God you see uh, I'm just always appalled when I look at look at the lines of the protesters that are uh, out there you know they they have 
private body part costumes that they dress up in and walk around just to um, just to embarrass people and to shock them and defile them and all that kind of stuff but yet they think it's amusing cute and funny where God created them in his image that's not what God created you to do or to be you understand what I'm saying he created you to reflect his glory his goodness to project that out to other people so that others can grow in the knowledge and the glory of God he didn't create us to to defile ourselves or to diminish who we are in any way but see this is what happens when you remove God from everything so what we're seeing now is the fruit of all the godlessness that has been perpetrated in this nation people don't take their kids to church they don't go to church they don't teach their children right from wrong they don't discipline their children whereas you might discipline yours and and do your best to teach them the right way you throw them into a a school with a bunch of heathens that don't know anything you know they're going to have to grow up fast and learn how to pray and learn you they see the ones who are saved got to be real saved because the world is real evil and so you have to have something to combat that confront it meet it and overcome it so that your children are not out there with vagina stuff on them you know, standing up looking at, you know, a camera and cussing people out and all the words, you know, just four letter words, the whole conversation. You know, your children are, are, are created to reflect the image of God. You understand what I'm saying? And so hold on to that and, and be adamant about it. Nope, mine are not going down in some bajajay hat. They're going to stand up for God and, and, and be loving, kind, merciful people, forgiving, but bold and confident in God. Amen? So Satan began to worship himself. Stay out the mirror, in other words. You know what I'm saying? Be like Fonzie. Remember him? He would get to comb and go to comb and, you know, how do you top perfection? You know what I'm saying? You're perfect already. Stay out the mirror. You don't need all of that. He says, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit down also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the door. I will be like the most high. Amen. He was perfect in all of his ways, but he wanted more. Amen. People who are are dissatisfied with what they had. Dissatisfaction is the one thing the enemy can use to ensnare people like nothing else. It's taking too long. I'll be glad. All the prayers. I'll be glad wins. Amen. You know, I always say to people, I say, well, what plans? If you so, you be so glad when this and that happens. What's your what's your plan to get there? They have none. See, the be glad wins don't include a plan usually. That's just a statement of frustration. So when you start thinking like that, you've already left your faith in God someplace else. You got out there on a limb looking at in the natural and being upset with God because you're not doing what you're supposed to do to get it. You gotta be able to fight the, the mind of frustration. That's where the devil likes to hang out. Discontent, malcontent, don't ever have enough, wish I had more. Huh? He likes that. That's his fertile field. 
And he'll get you frustrated so that even when God begins to bless you, you're not thankful. And see, if you're not thankful, you'll never get more. You won't get there. So if you're you're going to be glad when you get so-and-so, mark this down. Start being thankful for where you are. Huh? Let's be thankful for where you are. God, if this is as good as it gets, I'm saved. I know you. I love you. I can walk out of here and save a soul today because you're with me. I can impart your goodness to somebody. I don't have to be a thug and a bum. I've got value on the inside of me because of you. And start showing God some thanksgiving. Amen. Start taking care of what he's given you. Start adding some honor to it. Amen. And start letting God show you the beauty that's already in your environment where you are. You don't have to wait for anything to happen to get get beautiful. Hey. You beautiful. Hey. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) You beautiful already. All right. So he says, let me digress for a moment and draw your attention to a point that seems obvious and yet deserves a brief mention. We just saw that Satan, his original creation, was perfect as man had been in his original creation. But then like man, Satan chose to disobey God and go his own way. The obvious logical implication is that angels like man have a free will. They can choose to obey or disobey God. They are not machines programmed to respond in only one way. So personhood takes the, you know, the automatic out of things. You have a, a your, your will is where your counselor resides. Your will counsels you as to what to do, what action to get involved in. So, uh, you know, the Bible says God does things after the counsel of his own will. Your will tells you whether to go to work or call in sick, whether to get up and clean your room or leave it nasty like I did for 14 years. I got 15 years worth of dirt out of my room. (laughs) And Dust Bunny said, I want some popcorn. I said, are you a teenager already? Yeah, I mean 15 years. I got the 15 year Dust Bunny out of there. You understand what I'm saying? But, but, you know, your will tells you what to do. It says yes or no. It says you do that or you don't do that. And so if you have a will that's devoted to God, you can trust that will to counsel you to do the right thing on a continual basis. What the enemy does, likes to do, is get you in some kind of pressure. So you don't automatically choose the right way to do. You understand what I'm saying? But your will is involved in everything. Like, you know, if you, I always tell people, I said, if you have a habit that you want to break, your will has to be healed and dedicated one way consistently. If you can do something consistently, they say it takes three months at least to break a bad habit. Now ask any drug addict, they're going to tell you longer. Hello? Three three months is minimal. You know what I'm saying? It might take a whole lot longer than that. But what has happened is that their will vacillates. And when it's under pressure, it's like, you know, I'll get on the phone talking to somebody. Like, uh, you know, okay, I got a late fee on a bill. 
Bell sat up there and looked at me and I said, oh, that's tomorrow. Then tomorrow came, I didn't remember to pay the bill. So I'll get on the phone and I have a mercy dilemma. Okay. But see, I can lie. My dog ate my bill. Actually, I looked at his stool this morning when he went poo-poo and I said, oh, no, my bill. Yes. Or... I can just say, you know what, I was slow about paying it. Can I get a little mercy? I usually pay on time if you will look at my record. Huh? Plead, you know. Of course, I'm nice to everybody on the phone. Hi. Yeah. Yes. I'm your friend. What's your name, honey? Well, it's a beautiful name. Huh? Yeah, right. So anyway, but and, and oftentimes I can get mercy. You know what I'm saying? And so, but if I want to lie, the temptation is there. It's like how many really good stories can you, my dog ate my bill, or we've, we've had, a, oh yeah, it's real windy in, in, on my street and we had some power troubles or it was a lot of rain and I think have, I found half my bills over in the mud. And I couldn't read them, you know, that kind of stuff. And so your will, if your will's dedicated, the temptation isn't so powerful. If your will's not dedicated, if you're a situational person, like liberal people are, situational morality. See, if your name's Harvey Weinstein, you probably won't go to prison after all. See, he's putting off prison. Every day you look up somebody, they've, they've uh, dropped some of the charges on him. But if you're Bill Cosby, you're 82 years old sitting up there pressing license plates, you know. After you've helped most of their children learn how to read, invested in learning, education, you know, given to universities and raise money for them and all of that, that's what happens to you. You understand what I'm saying? So your will is is dedicated to one way or the other. When you're not saved, it's dedicated to whatever makes you feel good, look good, think good, what suits you. Once you come into a knowledge of God, your will has to be rededicated to do good to your own hurt. You know, God, if, if they don't give me mercy, I just have to pay my late payment. But please let them give me mercy so I don't have to pay it. Amen. Alright, so anyway, the uh, so um, as we noted in the earlier chapter, Satan's plan didn't work. God knew how to deal with his rebellion. Those two verses quoted above are preceded and followed by others that tell us what happened. How art thou fallen from heaven? Now, this is the thing. God don't kick nobody out. You fall. Huh? He doesn't look at anybody and say, I've taken enough of your nonsense. I'm through with you. If you repent, God will forgive you. I don't care how many times you do it. We get tired of us not being perfect. That's your biggest problem. You get sick of you messing up. You get sick of you doing it wrong. You get sick of you needing correction. You get sick of you. Huh? And so we project how we feel onto God. And the Bible says he's ever merciful and lendeth. Huh? Hezekiah was a king. You know when you are in charge of people, you have a greater penalty for your disobedience. 
Amen. Than somebody who doesn't. God puts you in charge. You got to live right. And he equips you to do everything he tells you to do the right way. So Hezekiah had everything he needed from the Lord. And he got to run in his mouth and bragging about what he had. He showed the the enemy kings. He went through and showed them all the stuff in the palace. I got this. I got that. I got that. Got and one day God says he's a dead man. Got sick. Hezekiah inquired if he would recover and God said get your affairs in order. You know when God tells you to start making out your will I think you better do it. You understand what I'm saying because he know what he's talking about. And so Hezekiah the Bible says after the prophet told him gave him the message from God. Hezekiah did what? He turned his back to his face to the wall. Which means he quit looking at what he had, what he bragged about, all the distractions, all the stuff he was proud of. He swallowed his pride and started looking at nothing so it's just him and God talking. And in a span of the time it took for the prophet to even get out of his house, he had talked God into changing his mind. Huh? See, if he can do it, you can do it. You get an eviction notice, you go to God, you say, God, they can't put me out. Are you kidding me? I'm your child. What am I going to do? I can't sleep outside. Huh? What's that going to look like for you? I tell everybody about you all the time. You want them to know one of your kids is out on the streets? I don't think so. Please, (laughs) you know, be merciful. But Hezekiah told him, he said, God, he said, what, what, do you remember how much I did for you? I did this, I did that. I did. This is the time to plead your case. You can't sit up there in pride and say, well, if that's what you want to do. Huh? <laughs> that's the worst thing in the world to say to anybody. Amen. If that's what you want to do, well, I remember t- uh, talking to my husband saying something, and I, I said, "I said, well, what are you going to do if we divorce? I'll make it." I said, "Aren't you sick of just making it? When are you going to start living?" And he looked at me like he was crazy. I said, "I'm serious." I said, "Do you want to live or not?" He never answered that question, but he ain't gone nowhere. Well, he went to heaven, but. <laughs> You don't quit me. I quit you. Or you can. I ain't done yet. So yeah I said it. So what? Scriptural. Somewhere. (laughs) In the new interesting version of the Bible. It's the church of what's happening now Bible. The church is you got to survive. And your marriage has got to survive Bible. That's where you go read when you need something. All right. So anywho. Sorry. He says, how are you fallen from heaven, Lucifer? He fell, okay, nobody pushed him. If you do the forensics, ain't nobody's DNA on Lucifer but his. Amen. How are you cut down to the ground, you who used to weaken the nations? Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Satan made five I will statements as recorded above in Isaiah. But God made six I will statements as found in Ezekiel. I will cast you as profane out of the mouth. For every I will Satan said he was going to do God met him back with another I will. I will ascend. He said no I will cast you down. 
O covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. You think you can't be fired? I got news for you. I fire you. He says, I will lay thee before kings that they may behold you. In other words, people, the Bible says, in that day people will look upon him that deceived. They say, is this the devil? Is this what he really looks like? The one who did all that havoc? He says, therefore I will bring forth a fire from the midst of you. And my feeling is that the devil created hell himself out of iniquity. God did not create hell. The Bible says hell is a place prepared. It's like I said, I created a cake. You ain't created nothing. You put them ingredients together and prepared it from known ingredients. And that's what God did with hell. He took the known ingredients. Say He said, okay, you like fire, you like heat, you like it intense, I'm giving it to you. Take your own stuff, the way it's all perverted and explosive, and you go live with it. And that's hell. Amen. So God didn't have to, he didn't have to create anything to punish anybody or iniquity. Satan created that himself. So he lives in his own mess. It's like everybody. You are living out what you create with your faith or what you don't create with it. You live in fear. You want to hide yourself from everything. You don't want to confront the challenges of life. You just want to uh, sneak around and see if you can get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You'll have a little bit. But you'll never confront the biggie so you can get that out of the way and you can have everything God has for you. you got to confront big stuff. Amen. It's like, you know, people say things like, well, my marriage fell apart and I didn't know what was coming. Honey, you don't even have to know God to know something bad is coming. Women know that all the time. Huh? But can you confront it? A lot of times, I wasn't even saved. I had to confront a bad marriage. Huh? Cost me my sanity. But I stayed with it until I confronted it and God came in and fixed it. And fix me. And fix my husband. So but you got to confront things. You can't just say well God got something better for you. Really? Seriously? Your something better is something you got to bring up from outside of you with your faith. You can't just be waiting on something better to drop in your lap. Get real. People don't drop in your lap. Well they do. but (laughs) That's another club right? (laughs) That's not our club. You understand what I'm saying? Now stay out of them places where people drop in your lap. Whatever. Amen. So God made six I wills on top of the devil's five. Amen. He will always outwill us. So God always has the last word. He makes the final statement. From time to time we read in the papers or see on television accounts of people who have risen up to overthrow their governments. Almost always a wide conspiracy is involved. It takes more than one person. You know, one person usually gets <laughs> a sniper's bullet. <laughs> An individual can't do it by himself. He has to have help. He needs co-plotters, co-conspirators, and co-revolutionaries. Does it surprise you to learn that when Satan was cast out of heaven, he did not go alone? 
Now many of the angels join Satan's cause in Revelation 12. There is a suggestion of the number who did. We read there of a great red dragon and his tail drew the third parts of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. Where did he get a tail from? See that was part of iniquity. See that when you start to get misshapen, deformed because of what you are doing to yourself to try to build yourself up. You start to gain power in such a way that it becomes perverse and it becomes wicked and it becomes evil. Amen. I believe that he transformed himself into a dragon because of his iniquity. And as the dragon he had a tail and with that tail he clung to all the angels who were assigned to him. It's believed that he had a third assigned to him and he was the anointed cherub that covered the mercy seat. For as unmerciful as he is, it's quite a fall to have covered a seat of mercy. Amen. But cover it he did. He protected the mercy seat. He kept it holy. Because the angels would say uh, um, uh, the cherubim were the ones that, that covered the mercy seat. And they sang holy, holy, holy all the time. Huh? Satan changed his song. Instead of saying, isn't he lovely? Isn't he wonderful? And so he just walked up and down the coals bragging on himself. And before he knew it, he was deformed. He grew a tail. And those that had followed him, he just slung them out on his tail and took help down here with him. Amen. So they were assigned to him just as the other two archangels. They call them archangels as well. Michael and Gabriel have a third assigned to each one of them as well. Satan took his third with him down to he was cast down to earth. So he says his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. So perhaps a third of all the angels God originally created decided to join Satan and were swept up in God's wrath and cast out of heaven. They fell. He did not throw them out. I think that's important because iniquity will always cause you to fall automatically. The Bible says, though a man, the righteous man fall, he's never utterly cast down. So you're not cast down by God. You fall. If you repent, he will lift you up. Amen. You're never a lost cause. God will lift you up. If it it is those fallen angels who are now demons or evil angels, Satan is their one and only leader. He is their commander-in-chief, their executive officer. Satan works in continual opposition to God's program all day long. He's just working against God. Or he is the arch enemy of God. He set up counterfeit doctrine and religion. He doesn't mind, for example, that people go to church as long as the church doesn't preach or practice the gospel. 
If there's no truth there, he'll dress you up, buy you nice clothes, make sure he wake you up, get you there on time. Amen. Amen. Second Corinthians four three to four teaches us that Satan blinds men to the truth that is in Christ. As the great deceiver, Satan will misuse scripture to try to get people to do wrong things while they think they're doing right. As he did when he tempted Jesus. He and his allies also disguised themselves as angels of light. You know, I I get often uh, text messages from somebody who's always getting visions, dreams, prophecies. And why they want to tell me about them, I don't know. Amen. But people, see this is the devil. He likes to, if he's got somebody infected, he likes to infect somebody else. You got me? Now, I could just not answer. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. If God tells me answer this woman and help her, you know what I'm saying, I do. But many times it's like bragging to me that I got a vision, I got a dream, I got a this, I got a that. And I want to say, well, get off the horn with me and go obey what God told you. You understand what I'm saying? What you telling me for? But Satan likes to deceive people. He wants to mislead them away from God. Have you ever considered ways in which Satan may affect you? For one thing, he's the accuser of our brethren. Amen. He reminds God when we fall in sin. That's why it's good to repent quickly. Confess your sin quickly to God. Because the accuser, the longer you leave it on your soul, the more ammunition the accuser has. Pretty soon you start to get guilty. Your mind's bombarded. You think there's something wrong somewhere the whole nine yards. So stop it, okay? Just go to God. God, I'm sorry. I just really shouldn't have done that. I see that's wrong. I knew it was wrong before I did it. Please forgive me. You understand? And cut the nonsense out. Just be a normal Christian. he's the accuser of the brethren he reminds God when we fall in sin he also reminds God when we when we uh about our past our past sins you know sometimes you sit up and you think about the good old days and before long something stupid jumps up in your head and you start feeling bad you say you know I was having a good time thinking about when I was a kid and then all of a sudden that popped up in my head amen so Satan is not far away trying to push us toward the wrong thing he's the accuser of our brethren so he reminds God when we sin but how wonderful it is to know that in 1 John 2 1 says you have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. And he is a righteous lawyer. Not Michael Avenatti. Amen. He is a righteous lawyer. You know one of them slip and fall lawyers. The CC always looking for. You know uh, whiplash willy type lawyer. Whenever trials and difficulties come into your life you wonder about the goodness of God. Don't ever wonder. He's good, period. Amen. Satan may be responsible for those thoughts. Remember, that's how he got to Eve. Satan is the great tempter. He tempts us to lie, to engage in immorality, and to kill. I'm sure you heard the expression like father like son. You might say sometimes that a certain boy acts or speaks just like Harry. And sure enough, you find out he's Harry's son. 
Those in the devil's camp also have a family resemblance. Jesus spoke of those who acted like their father the devil. Amen. Actually they were all the leaders of the synagogue. So all the church leaders. Amen. So watch your leaders and see who they act like. It's obvious who everybody's daddy is. Like their boss evil angels are also personalities who talk, think, feel and act. The Bible calls them spirits and calls us to battle against their wicked organization. Ephesians 6.12 tells us we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So what do rebel angels do? As emissaries of Satan, their major job from our perspective is to oppose the saints of God. And so realize that the devil sometimes come to you in a cute manner. So nothing he does is cute. It might be cute for a season. But in the end, evil is lurking there to ensnare us and entrap us. The Bible says shun the very appearance of evil. If it looks bad, don't get involved with it. Amen. If it looks shady, go the other way. If it looks like it ain't right, don't do it. Amen. What's not of faith is sin. And if you'll walk that way, God will help you. He'll help you if you get in trouble. You understand what I'm saying? If you'll call on him. But we want to be strong in the things of God so that we're not overtaken by the evil one. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you for goodness and mercy that follow us all the days of our lives. We ask you to bless our bread and our water. Take sickness from the midst of us. Bless our time of fellowship in Jesus name. Amen and praise God.